people listening, God, what was it? Two months ago, I was I became obsessed. Uh, one of the one of our listeners recommended a book, Amygdala Tropolis, to me. Oh shit! And I read it, and um, I was uh, I went through a very emotional journey with that thing. Incredible book, and I became a little obsessed with uh, B.R. Yeager. And through that time, I think I had read Negative Spaces too. I had learned of a, a deck of what seemed to be an agnostic role playing uh, like deck of like magic items that you could do anything with, but weren't related to any tabletop game. And I just kind of like really got into this uh, weird character, B.R. Yeager. Then um, another friend came out of the woodwork and said, hey, dude, he co-wrote a movie called Caucasoid. I'm like, oh, okay. And then we saw a trailer and went, wow, this is right on brand. And um, we had just been waiting for it. I think we checked it out at what, Salem Horror Fest? The virtual? I, is that what we decided? Was it Salem? I have, I have no idea. Um, okay. That, all right. Salem. Nick, is that right, Nick? Okay. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we, we made a small thing of it. Uh, one of our friends who we hadn't seen through most of the lockdown came over. Again, me and Clark were in the same room. I know you guys have a video component. We we live together. Oksana's here too. I don't know if you introed her when I was gone. I know. Okay, and um, we all got together and watched it, and uh, we had a hell of a time. And I'm I'm very glad to be sitting here with like both of you guys. Oh, that's right. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, just to catch you up, I've I haven't read a book in maybe a decade, <laughs> and this past year I was I set a very hearty goal of twenty. Oh, nice. It was t- last year was 20. Last year was 20. This um, year is yeah. 50. And, yeah. you know, uh, 50. Now, Ben, is it? Yeah. Okay. I only know him by two, uh, you know, letters from the alphabet, BR. <laughs> that's how you've been referred to in this house. But uh, I owe you for part of that because uh, the, the, the form that your stories take are so interesting perspectively. And I, I don't know if you guys are aware, but we run a film fest that's all found footage movies. And it's right. kind of what we're about. I, I feel like a lot of uh, culture, we've gotten kind of lazy with the way that we consume art. And I think, you know, found footage films are uh, a way to like kind of kickstart your brain again. And your books are very similar in that way. So when I saw that you had co-written a script, I was like, what the hell is this going to look like? And I, I promise to stop talking soon. But just for uh, a little insight for people, the Amygdalatropolis is basically a uh, like 8chan forum where it's anonymous. And uh, Negative Space is a story about a character who's told by three people close to them. So perspective is all over. And uh, I think Caucasoid fits right in there with it. It's really interesting. Okay, and I'm done. Clark, just give cool me thing. that look. <laughs> Long story short, I love you guys. You made a great movie. Awesome. You don't hate it because it's so slow and you're not bored the whole time. Is that so? That's a success for us. You know, okay. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm more an enthusiast than like a highbrow art critic. And the thing that that y'all did that's so tough is we watch a lot of indie horror, and you can have a cool idea, you can have a great idea, and a camera and a, a dude who can act and make a fucking unwatchable movie. And I watched all of it. <laughs> and the thing you guys did is you really tapped into that kind of like harmony, Korean energy. We have that like voice of God, but it's a self nar- a narration. Mm-hmm. It's very of the time, like uh, self, you know, the thing, the thing you do Jaeger is you make these characters that are the type of people you don't want to hang out with for 300 pages in a novel. But through that journey, you learn like, Hey, there's a dude you can love in there. 
And I almost, I almost wore my King Cobra shirt because I thought it would fit in really oh well. God. I'm not going to get down that tangent. Please though. don't. No, but I think you guys did an incredible job from framing to storytelling to just like the emotional adventure we go on. All right, I'm done. Ben, you say something. I can't say anything. <laughs> you have to go first. So, okay, here, for a question, because I know this is kind of an interview. Yeah, yes. How, how did yes. you all meet? Like, where did this movie come from? There we go. <laughs> and we started. All right, start recording, Randy. Awesome. Do you want to do this, Nick? <laughs> I don't know. We could go. I like how freeform this is. I feel like we can just keep cutting each other off like we normally would when we're talking. You yeah, know, totally, totally. Totally. We've been doing that for six years. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'll go. Sure. We, we've, um, we met at a community college, Holyoke Community College, um, 2015, 2016, I think. Um, he was going at an appropriate age, whereas I had like lost my mind in a quarter life crisis and like didn't know what the hell to do. So I was like, oh, might as well finally go to school. Fuck yeah. Well, it's either it's either that or, you know, you, you buy a boat that you can't afford. So I think you made a healthier choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that wasn't even in my dreams. I was coming off of like so like being like a bad social worker in a, you know, like a bad environment. So I, I'm not sure if that was in the cards. So yeah. community college was the best option. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Oh, well, that's you know, interesting. We have there's a is there 10 years between us? About a decade between us. Yeah, yeah like almost exactly. Yeah. So I was 22, 21, 22. You're 31, 32. And I just remember we, we had a class together and we didn't even talk. We had a, I think it was women's studies or gender studies class. And uh, we didn't even talk, but I we both had a, a video teacher that... I forget what it was. Justin West was his video teacher. Was he showing you stuff I was making or he was something Absolutely. like that? No, he was, he was uh, like, I, cause I had like, I had to be in a like seminar class with him as like part of the, uh, part of the major. And he would kind of like take me aside and be like, check out what this guy's working on. And like, <laughs> I, I had been in a class essentially with lots of people that in like the electronic media class, ending up with like a lot of people who were pretty much characters from Amygdalatropolis essentially. And just like, who were just kind of like fucking off and not really like doing it, like um, doing anything. Um, but then like suddenly, then like Justin West is like showing me all of these works in progress um, from Nick. I'm like, Holy shit. Like, and like, I found out that you were like working on like a feature length film for your like portfolio class. Like, who the fuck is this kid? And I was like, okay, I like, I need to keep tabs on this guy. I like want to work with this guy someday. <laughs> and then it was maybe three years or so until we actually linked up. And I was working at Amherst Cinema, a little indie movie theater in Western Mass. And Ben came in and handed me. Or did you, we exchanged emails and I think you mailed me a manuscript of Negative Space, which I still have in my yeah, room yeah. right now. Um, as like a very, and it was one of those things where it was like, you knew it was like, want to do something, but we didn't know what it would be that we would be doing together. And I was thinking about it for a while. Like, I'm like, what should we, and I didn't, I, I never occurred to me that we would write something together, but all I could get in my mind was like, this guy has to act. Because I felt like <laughs> a strong presence. Um, which I've talked a lot about to bed, but it's like something about, you know, you've got, you meet somebody, you know, when you're, I, I've never, I've mostly worked, you know, little indie movies my whole life. It's friends, family, and whoever else you can force into it, whoever else might be interested. So a lot of non-actors, but, um, you know, working with, especially like a lot of artists and other 
you know, uh, like, like, you know, musician, a lot of musicians and people that do are interested in other arts and have never tried acting. And cause I never been excited about the whole, I, you know, I also don't know any actors for the most part, but like usually you get an actor and they know what they're doing. It's just another job. So they've got their approach and they come in and they don't feel like, um, I don't know, like doing something different. Whereas like when you're working with a non-actor, it's simply the first and probably the last time they're going to do this, you know? So it's more of an interesting thing. So you're looking for someone that's got some kind of an interior energy, you know? And Ben was someone where I'm like, I, I somehow sensed the world inside him or whatever. I, I could sense this like, you know, very, very nice guy, but there's some intensity going on in there. And I, and I want to see what's going on with that intensity, you know? So yeah, um, sort of got him... He was hesitant at first, right, Ben? You're pretty much like, I don't know if I can do this. And then we ended up doing kind of crafting this character together in this short film and sort of um, uh, rehearsed it for like six months or so. And then right when we kind of got into shooting it is when the pandemic came over and just slammed it down. And we, you know, cobbled together what we had shot thus far as a 15 minute short. But I still am pissed off that we can't keep exploring that. It's kind of, you know, it was, it's, it's another world now that that came from, you know, so we, I don't think we're ever going to pick up that character, but we really had a great time making that character. And uh, I think a lot of that did filter into Caucasoid. There's a lot of similarities that um, we kind of ended up coming back to that we had to abandon and they're very different characters, but it's still, you know, it follows that same kind of um, loner white guy on the edge (laughs) movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so Ben, before Nick came along, did you really see yourself as, you know, a, a charismatic, you know, presence to be on screen for anything? Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, God, no. Like, I, I, I am terribly, terribly shy and like very, um, I, I have just like very hermit tendencies, like in general. And like, one of the reasons why writing is very attractive to me is that it's like, in a lot of ways, it's like the opposite of filmmaking, where you you aren't really dealing with all of these issues that are, that come from the world, the external world. You're, you're explicitly dealing with like the interior and like trying to convey the interior. Whereas um, with filmmaking, you're like constantly wrestling with all these factors outside of your control. So it's very, it's such a different thing. Um, Which is one of the reasons why I admire what like Nick does so much, because it's like, I'm not sure if I have like, um, what he does in terms of like the actual, like direct, the actual filmmaking, like I had the easy job with Caucasoid where it's like, oh, I get to like write some cool stuff and he gets to like read them at some point. And, you know, like I'm not like going out in the middle of the winter in like just a t-shirt or something like that. And like lugging around, like all, I, God knows how heavy those cameras were and all that gear was. Um, trying to work with like other people, like, you know, that's like the really hard stuff. I had like the fun job for that, for this. So yeah, go ahead. And it's funny because listening to you talk about like the difference of articulating your art in like the form of writing versus what Nick does, I've almost felt like you're tiptoeing around working with other people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, like a big part of it is, um, like when I'm writing, I don't have to communicate my ideas to anyone. Yeah. Like the the final product is me communicating my ideas and collaborating with like an audience, like a reader that way. Um, whereas like, you know, Nick is on his feet, like really having to convey his vision to other people um, and trying to sort of like articulate it in the moment and thoroughly enough, it, which is, which is like a nightmare to me. Like, you know, I'm, 
I constantly struggle with being articulate as we'll see on this podcast probably, but um, no, no it, like it, it's tough work. I, I love, it's fascinating to watch him work because it's just so different from anything that I do. Well, that's a huge part of, you know, just collaboration in general, right? Is just that baseline of communication. So mm-hmm. like, Nick, I, I'm going to take a guess here that like before the community college where you two, you know, met in your unholy union, um, <laughs> you know, before that, you know, I imagine that, you know, you were just a kid just making stuff all the time, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah so you just naturally have just sort of built that muscle, right? Of just always, you know, collaborating actors, non-actors um, and just having that thing. So how how did you really sort of form that, you know, communication, which is, I mean, honestly, that's what directing is, right? Just knowing how to communicate exactly your vision and then also just, you know, collaborating and, and, and being flexible and open. Well, gosh, I mean, um, my mom always makes fun of me now that she can't, she can't believe I had any friends growing up because I would force them to be in the movies and then tell them how bad they were and try to make them better. You know what I mean? It was always like, uh, I had one friend, Nick Johnson, that I still have to apologize to. Every time I see him, I'm just like, oh, Nick, I was really, he never wanted to act and I made him act and he was bad sometimes. <laughs> and I told him he was bad. So it was that kind of like, at first it was like that, um, it's almost like, megalomaniac nightmare or something you know what i mean or like i don't know something um and you hear about um you know if you watch all these director you know the great directors always talk about it's like you know alfred hitchcock or whoever being like um i've got my perfect vision before and then it's what a what a you know chore it is to have to translate it later you know what i mean i don't it's one of those things where it's like i always felt like i was there's this sense that you're supposed to be that way as a filmmaker like you have your hardcore vision and everyone's got to get on board and if they don't then you know, but I, I never quite, there's certainly a vision, but it's, um, what I enjoy. And this is probably from doing it, you know, the indie filmmaking way is you growing up, there's never a situation where I want to make a movie and then you have to go through the normal procedures, which is like actual casting, actual, you know, like different, it's, it's like, it's, it's almost harder for me to actually, it would be harder for me to make a movie in that normal way, just because I, I actually don't know how to do that. Whereas yeah. The only way I can do it is by almost like foolishly trying to make a movie and hoping it works. You know what I mean? So I get more excitement out of, um, you know, there's this like more, definitely more art film tendencies where it's like, um, and not even art film. I say that almost self-hatingly, you know what I mean? But like not, not traditional <laughs> cinema, you know what I mean? Like, well, um, I'm, I'm looking at you and you've got a Gus Van Sant poster in the background, right? Yes. Yeah, right next to it. I fell over my eyes wide shut poster. I, I put them side by side cause they look so similar, but it fell off and it won't. Now it's, it's in, I've got a depressing situation. I need to clean up <laughs> posters. I realize that's a great, we need to use that for a movie, you know, for like, uh, someone's bedroom. It's like, keep a half poster hanging down there. It's like, they don't even, <laughs> put it half back up anymore. That's such a great sign of someone that kind of doesn't give a fuck anymore. You know what I mean? But things like that. Can we do that in this is my yeah, mind right now. I digress too far. They're too far. But, um, but um, yeah, so I, I, I definitely am at a place now after, you know, filmmaking, my making films my whole life where it's more, less about, I've got a particular vision. You all got to my way or the highway, get on it. And it's more about like meeting people like Ben who, and I, and sensing something about him and what he's capable of and what, we, you know, and, and sort of aligning the stars or the dominoes or something in that way so that you might, you know, it's more like setting things up so that when you 
let it go, um, you might get some real, you know, energy and life happening right there that you're not ready for. So it's, it's like, I, I get more excitement out of, um, sort of like sharing an abstract vision, but giving a lot of control over to whoever comes into it. So it's not just my stupid mind controlling everything, you know? Right. Yeah. Now, how many collaborators did you have? Like, how big was your crew on this shoot? There was so nothing. It's funny how little, it's basically like anything I would have made in high school in terms of, um, so there was Joey Ogden was the cinematographer and he was, um, Joey's and I've been friends since elementary school. And he was one of my friends that would force to act. They didn't want to act. But by the end of high school, Joey started doing, um, videography stuff and getting him into cinematography and so then i started borrowing his nice cameras that he would buy because i wouldn't actually buy nice cameras but i would try to find ways to you know borrow them and um so when i literally we only had about a month of prep too it was like thanksgiving 2020 when i decided i was like we need to make let's make a fucking movie this winter just within the winter you know if we make it in the winter we got to start and end in the winter because it's all got to be in the snowy winter. So set those parameters of feature length film. What kind of film can we make? It has to be one of those, you know, very, very minimal movies. And who do I know that would be down with, you know, being close proximity with me during COVID a close friend might be okay with that. Joey was living um, about 90 minutes away at the time. And then my partner, Izzy um, did the sound. It, literally, I was wondering, should we get a sound person or should we not even get a sound person? Cause that's one more person that we need every time we need to shoot, you know, and, so we ended up just using a literal, um, a, uh, a Tascam field recorder for all of the sound, which is, it's not something you should do ever. It's like, it was insane to edit and make it sound at all listenable. Um, and honestly, hey, hey, that let me jump in here. Hey, what, what is your ultimate goal as like a uh, filmmaker? Like what's your ideal career? <laughs> you don't strike me as a dude that would want to make a Marvel movie. No, well, I mean, that would be crazy experiment to really fuck it up, make make a fucked up Marvel, <laughs> like a wrong Marvel movie, you know. But then you yeah, would yeah. get murdered in the street by the Marvel fans if you did something. Or maybe like not that. a three hour Batman movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, who? Know, I mean, imagine it's this, easy, bro. We imagine seventy five minute Batman movie. That would be something. <laughs> huh? about. Yeah. Dude, now you're speaking about language. Batman movie that I would <laughs> make, do so I, badly. I'm sorry. Well, we won't even get into it, but I just we could. I fucking yeah. do that. Now, it's not, not exciting, but anyway. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean it. Like seriously, like if you could have like your dream job land on you, and you can make like like what would your ideal movie look like? I mean, oh man, I daydream all the time. You know, I, I don't. I really, I don't fucking know. I've never. I really can't imagine my life going into a situation where I can make anything. What does it even mean to say big? Yeah, I don't know. Like. Like, you know, a $3 million movie would be like, you can make Reservoir Dogs or something with that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's still like a million dollars is nothing still. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And that even sounds like, gives me too much anxiety to think about having some, you know, I don't know. But ideally, I want to make all kinds of movies my whole life, but I definitely enjoy, um, you know, the small, the small production, the more focused, just less bullshit. I've, I've spent a little bit of time on more, um, legitimate productions and usually just get the sense that like a, most of us shouldn't even be here right now. Like, what are we doing? You know what, I mean? it's like, what are we? It's, and then you always hear these stories, you know, filmmakers like Kubrick or Eric Romer or someone like they get, as they get older, the crews just become, you know, more and more and more of a handful of people like 10, eight, five, Paul Thomas Anderson goes to visit 
eyes wide shut set. And it was like, why do you have so few people on your crew? And Kubrick goes like, how many do you need? You know, it's like, (laughs) um, so I'd love that idea. But I also, again, I literally don't know what it means to have anything but that. Like, I don't know what it would mean if I got that, you know, but I don't, I I think I'm a small movie person for sure. I like the small movies. So Nick, here's the, here's the point I was trying to make is you strike me as a dude who almost feels like you need to apologize for your movie in some weird way. (laughs) Like, oh, you're like, I had a tiny crew and I know we didn't have a lot and we did all this. And I'm here to tell you, uh, you did it, man. You made Uh, a fucking good movie. And the fact that it's not everywhere right now is only a testament to how um, important your film is. Because we're we're deep in an... Dude, Nick, there are film fests, and I'm sure you've seen it, where we open up and we, we thank the Indians that lived on the ground prior. We are in a weird time where everybody's looking for to, like, cut out their little hole in like social media and we're all trying to be somebody with content and it's all this hollow virtue signaling bullshit and when you watch a film like yours that you know you let us you let us know what we're getting into it's called fucking caucasoid like there's only a certain type of person that's going to come into this movie and when you watch it you're like dude this is like raw we're with a character that's uh, completely like nuanced seems like a weak word for him yeah because he's fully realized and he's dark and i think at the end of this movie we're watching a dude self-destruct who you really want to like hug at some point and then he crosses the line and you're like, dude, you went. I, I would hug with a chaperone present. Okay, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some, but, some sort of adult present. But here's the thing, you know, he crosses a line at a certain point, and you're like, dude, you can't come back now. Like we were here for you, and you almost had it, but you've gone too fucking far. And I feel like there, there's film like I uh, what like scariest sixty first. There are these movies that are coming out that kind of are taking a different voice. It's almost like, I don't like the term, but you know, like the intellectual dark web. Yeah. It's like, these are the things we can't talk about that most people are probably feeling. And, you know, I, I got into film and I know you did, Nick, because you're talking about it. And it's like, we, we like people like who were edgy and who were like kind of outcast, but they were saying shit that people felt and audience came to. Because that's what indie film yeah, exactly. started out to be, like, right? Like, hey, do you guys remember when IFC was a cool channel? <laughs> right yeah like you'd go yeah. on there and you'd be like oh what am i watching right and it's almost like like some weird porn adjacent shit where you're like i hope somebody doesn't walk in right right and it's like what happened to that now i'm gonna take this and like and, and impose this to ben so ben are you seeing this in the literary world of kind of like what we've seen in like the independent cinema perhaps of like you know in, in terms of you know just you know independent writers like what's really the landscape of what we're looking at on that on that spectrum oh god um yeah no i i'd say that i mean with i think one of the big differences between literature and film is that you know like far more people watch movies than watch in general than like read books right now or that's just it's a more dominant um media in culture right now um but yeah like you see you, you see like it's all over the place in terms of like whatever we would call uh indep- like indie lit or something because you you have like a lot of people who are doing like really cool and interesting and exciting uh things and things that like are really breaking apart um what the medium even is um but then also like just like with anything um you also have you know large segments where it's 
you know, indie just because of the level that's at. It's really just trying to get into it's just like someone who's like trying to be the next Dean Koontz or <laughs> yeah. not not knowing that they're like there will never be the next Dean Koontz <laughs> just because like the industry doesn't exist like that anymore. Yeah. Um to allow for that. Um but like you know it's it's all it's all balkanized. It's all like very you know like you know there's there is no indie literature scene just as there isn't like any any like indie music scene or indie like movie scene, there's just like a bunch of different cloisters. Um, so like the cloister that I happen to be in, like it seems like tends to be people that I'm really excited by, but it may not excite other people, but yeah, books are weird too, because yeah. I do think there is an indie scene and they're making books about blue barbarians who live on Mars and their romance novels. And there's 48 of them and you can only buy them on Amazon. <laughs> and that person is rich. Yeah, you know, oh, like, definitely. And it's like, it's weird because, you know, filmmakers, we have, um, even with new technology, we don't have a ton of filmmakers, but we have a ton of demand. Where with books, you have a bunch of people who, uh, you know, I'm not shooting shade here at Ben because I love you, but don't want to work with people, which I kind of feel that way too. I'm like, I, I don't want to work with people. And I, I've stomached you for six years. We figured it out somehow. <laughs> but the thing is, it's so appealing to be like, hey, I could turn this room into an office. I could hang out in here. I could write a book. I don't talk to fucking anybody. And then I'll, you know, through the internet, maybe find a publisher or something. And that's the art. And there's a lot of people that want to do that, that have no talent. And there's not a lot of people that want to read it. Mm -hmm. It's either, I'm sure there are more authors than there are like readers. Probably that, that's, that's the joke at least. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, I remember my friend got into a writing class at Davis and it was like some elite, like only 20 people. And it was going to be taught by somebody. And uh, the first thing they did was like, Hey, realize that X amount of people want to be authors. X amount of people will be authors. X amount of people buy books. Mm -hmm. So you really got to be into this. And it, it's tough. And I, I don't know. I think you both, you found each other and you're both making interesting content that the battle now is, you know, I call but it. I don't content. know. Hasn't there been? I, I don't know if counterculture is the right way to package this, but I mean, we're seeing an uptick in readership. I think right? it is counterculture. Yeah, because I mean, you know, right now the the culture is the emperor has no new clothes. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, it's not drugs. It's not sex. Like all that shit is on the table now, and it's boring. Honestly, I think you guys would agree. If you see uh, a topless girl in a movie, does it do anything for anybody anymore? I know Clark's all about dick. I mean, <laughs> it's like, sure. where's the dick? Show I mean, me some dick. Show me some seriously, tips. in horror movies, too, you think the horror movie's kind of tame unless the dude's getting full frontal in there. Dicks are in right now, Dave. But they are in, too. And it's kind of, it's loot. That fat is fading. <laughs> so what do we do now? And I, I don't know. I think you guys. We needed more cock in Cockazoid. That's what we said. <laughs> you know what? I didn't even. Where's the dick, Nick? What is that? That was the whole idea. Well, there is a. Uh... The classic idea when, you know, the whole, um, we were gushing out ideas about um, simply how fucked up to be. How many fucked up right. things can we do? The whole idea was like, is he going to jack off over the dead body? You know, which, yeah. you know. You know, now, the, the classic conversation we all have to have. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. When you open up the movie and you have like, you know, you're fully firing here with like film uh you're film flexing and we're, we're doing the vo we have a self-narrated vo over like out-of-body time sequences visually and we have a dude talking he's he's clearly articulating his self-hatred by um 
talking about how he wants to murder all the white men in Massachusetts. And giving us the numbers. Giving us the numbers and then being clearly the whitest man in Massachusetts. <laughs> and it's like... Which is saying a lot. And, you know, again, like, uh, Clark is much more cultured than I am. I grew up here in the Bay Area. And I, I'm I, in reform uh, West Coast elitist. And I, you know, I had my biases against the rest of the country. And I've completely turned on him. And I'm like, I'm a fool. I don't know anything. I, I live in a bubble out here. Same. I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm right same, there with same, you. <laughs> right? Like, I remember we had uh, our buddy Chad Lott from Scary Thoughts podcast on here, and he was talking about S-Town. And his whole grief with that podcast was, this isn't a rare thing. There are interesting people all over the Midwest, the South. Yeah. And I just remember being like, oh, fuck. I totally thought that was a rare thing. Like, I remember, I, I feel dirty every time I thought of a flyover state. Because I've said that Ooh. term before. Yeah, sure. I'm like, oh, Arizona, what a fucking flyover state. Yeah. And then, you know, I see Caucasoid, and I'm like, man, I'm living with that dude, like, all over. Mm. And it's kind of like, it, it's not that they're bad people, but they're people who don't, um, I don't think they've turned inward and kind of, like, opened up and just, like, learned to love, like, themselves, mostly. Sure. And then starts with one. And then there's all this kinetic energy, and they get like a little, like a little light, and they just fucking pop, mm. right? Do Do you feel mm. that out here? It's like, yeah, yeah. Where do you guys live? Or Mass- Western Massachusetts? You're both in oh, and MA. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys feel it out there. I know, I know a lot of uh, corporate media is very like East Coast centric. We feel it mm. in the sports world too. They care about mm. those teams a lot more. But over here, I mean, we still hear it a lot, and it's all about, like, us. And we never really focus on, like, inland. And I don't know, I really, I really got that articulation out of your film. Like, just like a disconnect. Man, I wonder, I, that so was not conscious, I wonder if I just, that's just in me, and, or in us, and it was there, you know, or something like that. Okay, well, if that wasn't, like, the seed here, or did you just want to murder some white people? Well, how did it <laughs> I mean... It's one of those things, there's, it's, of course, we've, um, oh, God, it's so much, you know? <laughs> Nick, I'm just telling you, dude, I feel like you're so belabored with this, and I, uh, I'm just telling you, I'm completely authentic here. I love your film, and I think you did a great job, dude. Oh, no, I appreciate I'm trying to be authentic, too. I am, I'm always belabored, I think, anyway, it's just myself that I'm belabored with, you know, or my own mind, and, um, it's just, I, you know, we have all these, I, I, oh, God, how did it start? I mean, we just... It was one of those things to make, um, the start of it was thinking, you know, making a movie like angst or Henry of yeah. Portrait serial killer, or, yeah. um, even Abel Ferrara's bad Lieutenant, you know, like, um, where it's more like, we're just following the guy, just, we're not going to shoot it any special way. Um, you know, I, there's a funny bit that's Ken Kelch or whatever his name, the guy that shot bad Lieutenant was just like, we're just keep him like in the middle of the frame. That's basically all you gotta do. It's like, I love that kind of idea where it's like, it's like you really, there's no aesthetic bullshit. And so it was more like, we're thinking about like making that kind of movie. And then I'm like, all right, well, I just don't want to make, I already have this problem where there's too many, the stuff I've made thus far has like, is all white guy central anyway, so far. Like Mm -hmm. it's not even like enough women in these movies. I'm like, I'm not going to make one of these movies where it's a guy killing women the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, which is all, they all are always men killing women. Yeah. Like I can't have like, the first time I have more than three women beat because they're getting killed. In the <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was just almost like a joke to be like, what if he kills all men or all white men? LOL. And then it became one of those things where it's like, it sounded like such a joke because that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like no yeah. one says that. 
And then I was like, is this perfect as something to try, you know, and then realizing I just all the, the very, very, <laughs> not even abstract, but it's like, you know, you can say that like the movie doesn't come out with like a philosophy or something or like a point of view about these things, but it dives into simply like, um, I always think about, I hate being so, I always think about quotes. Everyone's told me my whole life in these moments, but I had a drawing teacher at HCC at community college that said, um, always was like, you have to draw from the inside out. You can't draw from the outside in, you know, if you're drawing like a face, you can't start with an outline with some ears and stuff. And then you get to the middle and it's all, the proportions are weird. Cause you didn't, you decided something incorrectly at the start, you know? Yeah. I was like thinking about this was more like really, I don't know what this movie's trying to say or if it's got anything to say, but I, you got the vibe about this, the hellscape of the white male mind. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like in this country and this society right now of like, if someone is, um, you know, if a white guy is even self-reflective, hopefully, a lot of times that takes a nasty turn where he's like, you mean white guys are bad? Oh my God, I'm awful. <laughs> like, that was essentially the joke in my mind where it's like, here's a guy that started to reflect and it still has to be all about him, doesn't it? You know, if he's yeah. not the best guy in the world, he's the worst guy in the world. So, you know, and then, and I don't like to, I don't think I'm, I talk about the movie in this way a lot and I don't think I'm really explaining much or giving anything away. You no, know what I mean? The movie's not about that. You know, it's more about this fucking guy, you know, and how like, he's a very extreme version of a lot of people that like, they just like, are victims of their own mind and everything. And um, yeah, so God, I should stop before I keep going. No, here's, here's the thing. One, yeah, never give anybody any direct answers about this movie. Yeah. It's right, it's, no, it's ripe yeah. for people to project all over it. Give them the old David Lynch. Also, yeah. like, I think you're totally right for like the premise being, let's kill a bunch of white dudes. I could imagine a theater full of white dudes cheering that premise. <laughs> and like not. That's even hilarious, under- right? Yeah. That's but great. Why? Especially out here, I don't even think they would get it. They'd be like, yeah, man, fuck them. And it's like, okay, cool. But I don't know. I, it's so, dude, you, you did it, man. You really made a good movie. And I, I'm, I'll try and get this back on into like some sort of like a film-centric thing, because I do have a lot of questions. And I'm, I'm curious. You mentioned Hitchcock earlier, and you're clearly very astute when it comes to like film history. Mm-hmm. And uh, was your did you storyboard anything here? No, no. I mean, one of those one of the exciting things here was um, once I kind of decided it was like usually I am shooting. You, you know, usually I'm shooting the fucking movie too because I'm just yeah. you know doing everything myself. And even when um the movie that um, Ben was being showed by my teacher was like I was starring in that movie. I don't know if you could tell I'm the guy in the movie too. Can you recognize me? Yes. Wait, you? I couldn't. Yeah, that's me. Yes. So it was me acting it's the whole incredible. time too. So there's no actor. So that was another thing. I'm like, if it's just me, we don't need anyone else. It's just the cameraman and someone to do the sound, and me. You know. Um, so I'm in. Sh- I could not tell. You know, I'm as soon, you right as now, soon, I could no, not no, no. tell it was you. No, I, I wasn't sure, but as soon as he popped in, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Nick, I cannot explain to you. We'll just get into it right now. I cannot explain to you the the amount of relief that came over me when I made the connection that you were the lead in the film. And here's why. Because my first question was going to be, how could you put your lead actor through all of this <laughs> bullshit? But, but the fact that you did it yourself, you have my utmost, utmost respect until both of our expirations date. I mean, I'm telling you right now, uh, you know, it's it's interesting, and and uh, please do not take this the wrong way. I mean this as the utmost compliment, 
that you carried this film with your face. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, look, if they ever remake, and I made this joke, if they ever remake uh, Jim Carrey's Rubber Face, I think that you need to be right there, you know? Remake a Rubber Face, get a little, cash a little bit of that dough, and then make a, you know, make your million dollar movie. This is, I'm just throwing you options out here, Nick, but no, I, I, I think that that's incredible. Um, wait, because- wait, so, so what happened? Did now, Ben? Did you write a brutal script about the self-destructive dude? Bring it to Nick, and then he look at it and be like, "Oh, that's me." So I, so I came in as like a hired gun, like after it started shooting. So my main contribution oh. was just writing, um, working with uh, Nick to write the voiceover because, um, oh. like, he wanted just like he wants some crazy, very evocative and non. Uh, non-expository voiceover um so it's like fuck yeah i i i'd live for that shit um so we would uh that was like a great process because nick would just like throw me concepts and like ideas for settings and i would just like type into like a google doc like he and then he would like come to me with stuff it's like do you know a lot about pinocchio like the original <laughs> pinocchio or something it's like no like I'll, I'll i'll read up on it so we like it's like okay let's like write up a bunch of like Pinocchio inspired stuff because we were like the we got like really into the whole idea of like you know someone who's like really who wants to be a real boy um and so we were like just pulling he would like throw me some stuff and then I would like throw him um some things that like connections I was making between what he was saying um and so as I like my main thing was like it was primarily like just writing uh like voiceover what what a good like trust your instincts nick because wow I, now now when i was reading uh ben's books especially negative space i did a lot of it at my work like at my job on my my 10 minute breaks and on my lunch and i would sit there and just get kind of like artist envy because ben can embody anybody he's like uh he's like an inner chameleon and i mean in Ooh. negative space we have three different characters who are completely different one of them's a female, one of them's a uh, like a gay best friend on the DL kind of thing, and one of them's almost like a autistic transgender, like but in a kind of classy way where it's like kind of making an argument for a soul having a gender thing. And I'm like, how can one dude articulate through three different completely, completely different characters that are all teenagers in the modern age and make them all sound authentic? So... Nick, you fucking nailed it, dude. Like, what a great guy to make a a uh, kinetic energy, self-loathing dude sound so, like, just elegant. He's very eloquent in his mind. Well, yeah, because, look, the, the, the VO, Voice of God narration, anytime you impose narration oh, in a yeah. story, that's a slippery, slippery <laughs> slope, man. Yeah. So Nick, what was your thought process with it? I was like, you know, did you always tinker with the idea of a narration or yeah? what what was that? Well, no, I'd always, um, I'd always, I'd never done narration before for that reason. Cause you always, you just hear awful things about narration where it's like, Oh, it's to cover up plot holes in the script or it's to like, I always liked the way Kubrick would do it in a kind of weird way where he would do it in like a fairy tale way where it's like, yeah, once upon a time there was that like the way what, what what like Barry Lyndon has that very fairy tale like oh, yeah. voiceover and stuff. I kind of like that. I always thought if it was going to be used, it had to be so in your at the forefront of it. It couldn't be something that was supposed to be kind of there or something. You know what I mean? It had to be like so. Um, I really think it was. Um, 
a lot of the inspiration for this came from angst. I have to say, just simply watching that again. Um, I stand alone. I stand alone as well. Yeah, that's right. I stand alone is a big one too, where it's like, um, yeah, those movies where it's like you could it spent. You know, you want to make a. We got all right. We're going to make a feature film. How are we going to shoot a feature film so quick in such shoot, short spurts? It's going to have to be slow. You know, more of a slower pace. All these things. These pieces will have to go. You know, scenes won't be two minutes; they'll be ten minutes. You know, these kinds of things. And those movies really, especially Angst, had like a it was like a twenty four hour kind of story with a lot of like you know you got like crazy action not action music but sort of sort of dancey beat chase music while a guy is retying his shoe. You know, it's like <laughs> it can keep it sort of and then because of the voiceover, the voiceover is always so present that it almost allows these things to keep going on for so long. You know, it's like, to me, it was a pace thing. And it's like, when it's such a, another, the voiceover is such a piece of the movie that you can have very few elements on screen and the voiceover is a, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, it was another thing that could um, make the movie even work that there would be that much voiceover, you know? You know, you mentioned Kubrick, but again, I think you got more of like a Harmony Korine thing going in there where (sighs) we're dealing with like outcast characters and, at times you can feel completely removed from them. You're like, you're just like, I don't understand how they're making their decisions. And then you, you put in a VO and it's like, well, now I'm in their head and you know what? Uh, I, I get it now. Right. And it kind of reels you back in, which is actually kind of like a dangerous thing when you're an audience member in a movie like Caucasoid, right? like much like angst. It's like, this dude is a time bomb. Like we know <laughs> like where we're going. It's not going to end well, mm-hmm. but you're dragging me along with that VO. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't and think it would work without it. No, it wouldn't. And you know, just to put uh, kind of the movie you made into a cultural frame, Angst is a movie that just now is getting kind of like a cool Blu-ray release, and like people are finding it. I think that's what Caucasoid's going to be, man. It's going to be a small groundswell, and you know, uh, out here in the Bay Area where we claim to have a great film culture, it's going to be people like me and Clark like whispering about this movie to people like, "Oh, this guy's." cool like hey man have you ever seen cock please whisper whisper yeah Yeah. we're we're trendsetters (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate it seriously you know it's one of those things where um oh man i don't know it's like we knew when we were making the movie it was you know making it for there's the audience for it but it is um oh man to hear to actually talk to people that aren't the audience for it does remind you that, all right, it makes up for everyone that didn't get it still. I mean, you know, it's just so strange. You can like make a movie and believe in it and still, um, and even a movie like this, where it's like, it is a movie where you do like it or you fucking don't like it at all. And then still when people don't like it, I'm like, Oh, but why though? Really? <laughs> you don't, you know, and no, Nick, that just, you, they don't get it. It's not for them. You know, no, you got to remember what it's like, Nick. Cause I know you, you're a dude that would be in a movie theater at 1am or wait, yeah, 1am and you'd have a coffee and it would be some art house thing and people would walk out and you'd be like, good. Like, <laughs> like, because if people don't walk out, then we're not doing anything here. No, you know? I, I've spent seven years working at an indie movie theater where it was a lot of like <laughs> getting so mad where it's like people walking out in the middle we had what we'll like, background like, with like who the audience is too for right. uh, the, who are coming in too like totally yeah you're very aware i know you know what's fucked up working at the movie theater did something to me where when i started working there i was so much about like put that fucking audience through the ringer you know what i mean it's like <laughs> do it and then the more i worked there 
and we got movies that put the audience through the ringer and then the audience would come out and complain, then I was just suddenly always like, can we just not have a hard movie today? Like, I don't want to deal with like having to explain to people that don't get it, why they don't get it. And then it made me like stressed out to ever go see those movies at work. You know what I mean? So I was like, I don't want to deal with this bullshit. Like, so it's strange working at the movie theater fucked up. It made me want less conflict in in the movie, in the movies. You know what I mean? I was like, can we just have, you know, can you just not get mad at the movie? And now it's like, you go back to like, of course you want them to get mad at the movie. Why? You know? Well, you're like, don't get mad at the movie. And then you make Caucasoid. <laughs> well, there you go. It's like a, a split thing where it's like, uh, I'm like, uh, I don't want conflict, but I still want to dig at the people. You, know, you don't want to dig at the audience still, you so know? You bring up a good point. And, uh, I'm, you know, every week I play a tabletop game, <laughs> Adventure Conquer King. It's a uh, version of D&D where they have very heavy handed rules on how to run a town. You can, mm. Basically, it's a feudal system. And I, I play there and, you know, it's through, through the whole lockdown. There's a table full of people who have different ideas, especially like politically now. And I, what you're articulating there is just the, the unwillingness to want to have an argument. Yeah. And, you know, even though you're fighting the good fight and you're at a movie theater and you're like, hey, maybe the movie's not for you, but like there's merit to it. And here's your refund. But like eventually, man, you just get worn down. Mm-hmm. And then but I think the dangerous thing is when we stop having that conversation. For and sure. you just kind of become like, there's like a malaise and you're just like, oh, you didn't like it? Yeah. Okay. Typical. Like, right. like you look, yeah. you size them up and you're like, yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's dangerous, dude. But it's also fucking hard to keep these arguments up. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's at what point, I think what's cool about the filmmaker is you can, um, when you're making the movie, you can simply have your film be the argument and then you don't need to go talk about it ever. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> That's like you get to say everything and then no one responds. <laughs> so, Nick, you, you briefly touched upon this. Uh, I want to talk about the music in your film. Mm. Um, and because Russell and I have, a, have a, a slight disagreement here. We agree and we agree and we, we disagree at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of the, your music is very sort of, I don't know, bass laden acoustic guitar. And, um, you know, it, it's very effective. And I'm, I'm coming as like, you know, my first instinct was like, oh, this sounds, you know, very Morricone. And you're like, well, I thought it was more I thought the application, Holocaust, like, yeah. you know, Riz Ortolani, um, Ooh, which I am also, bit, I'm a fan. Did you look up that name? No. Before? Okay. <laughs> you need to know, every day I wake up, I pull up okay. the main theme of Cannibal Holocaust. Right. That's a great way to start. <laughs> One of the most beautiful pieces of music ever constructed, as far as I yes. know. So, but yeah, so just talk about the inspiration uh, with the music. Main theme, Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, I got it. it. And you hold got on, it. before you go on, it's because of the application. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a sweeping, grand, a very emotionally uplifting thing. But, and even the footage, like, I think there's a drone shot there. Like, it's kind of like the land and the world. And then it's like. But if you're paying attention, you're like, this is going to be bad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, I'm, um, I, that's, I was just talking about this with someone the other day. You got it with Morricone, too, though. That was something yeah. where um, my friend Jeremy Pisani, who I worked with at the movie theater for a while, and he's, um, he plays in uh, uh, the band Sunburned Hand of the Man out here, and he's really great. He's a really good mus- musician. He had never, we'd always talked about, um, you know, we, we bonded over the love of, you know, filth, trash horror, and, you know, Man. all the time. So, um, I knew I had to reach out for, to him for this kind of thing. And we, I mostly, I made like a playlist of stuff and it was mostly that, um, Riz Ortolani, Campbell Holocaust. I'm trying to think of what else. Um, 
some like um Poople Vu, like Werner Herzog score Ooh. stuff, Ooh. like things like that. But definitely we always talked about um how it's like, you know, with those movies, um that it's like the more beautiful the music is, the more you're like, oh, I'm going to be devastated <laughs> by this movie. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like the tragic swell of beauty. And it's almost just like, oh, we're all going to die. And it's so sad, isn't it? You know, but it's like beautiful. Like that's something for me that um, I remember. Oh, what was it? When I was 12 years old, the first time I saw Last House on the Left and that David Hess score. Yeah. You know, where it's in the road leads to nowhere. I'm like, I think it's the first time I really consciously was like, is this depression? <laughs> is this like, I'm so sad. The road leads to nowhere. You know, it's this beautiful and such a strange, you know, a horror movie with like a folk soundtrack, you know, it's like, it's something that, um, usually it's the synth score now, you know what I mean? Or like hard yeah. beats or synth, which I'm not against. I love it. But I just thought, um, Jeremy, especially was someone that could really hone in on that resort Alani. And then when he sent me the main theme, the first time I thought this is like fucking like the Godfather, the deer hunter intro yeah. or something, you know, I was like the tragic, beautiful, beautiful tragedy story, you know? And so, yeah, no, I'm glad you guys, you guys are getting it so much. <laughs> elevating. You just got it. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Uh, we're terrible people. So, <laughs> but the other thing is, I think a lot of people are going to get it, but if you're looking at letterbox, they're not going to, express it i think I, people it's weird man social media i think people put stuff up that it's they present the them that they want people to think they are sure right. and i mean i get it oh, man i get into constant verbal battles with people over like uh the term like so good it's bad because mm -hmm. i'm like i think you're misunderstanding what's going on there totally because, i mean if you watch a movie that makes you feel awful for being a human or like a white guy it's like, well, the movie worked. Like yes. art had an impact on you. If you watch a movie that made you laugh so hard that you were tearing up and you cheered, then you liked that movie. It had an emotional impact. Yes, yeah. which is one of our biggest causes is that the only yeah. <laughs> bad movie is a boring movie. A fucking boring mm -hmm. movie. That's that's a bad film. Yeah, and that's that kind of like a big uh, part of the like impetus behind like this film. Like one of the driving forces behind this film too was also like not wanting to go down any of the just to like maintain the sincerity of the effort and like not go down like the roads of like trying to sort of like try to have this like sort of like nostalgic irony aspect yeah. that we like see in so much of like yeah. the genre and everything like nowadays that like it was all about kind of like just wanting to be as sincere as possible because that's how like even those movies that feel really campy and really like cheesy nowadays that what the work going on behind it was like sincere as hell like people were trying to make the best movie that they could make with extremely limited uh resources i think that we wanted to tap into that same one where we're never like winking at the camera being like oh look it's like here like 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 you guys did like a fantastic job with all like the prosthetic gore and stuff. Oh like that. yeah. It was never like a thing of like, Oh, we're going to intentionally have things be look cheap or look cheesy. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I, totally. Totally. Well, I mean, if, if you would have had like a blood spurt in this movie, I think it would have, uh, you would have been throwing a lifeline to the audience. <laughs> well, you're looking for an escape in this movie. Mm. And the like brutal realism here is just it's it's dire, and you just get like waist deep in it. 
Mm-hmm. Also, I just want to point out for people listening, because we do kind of like call this show a horror podcast, even though there are clearly weeks we don't talk about any horror movies. Mm-hmm. Just note how many times in the past we've mentioned, we've reviewed a movie, and the first thing out the gate, hey man, the gore is great. And I feel like uh, we've been talking about it a little bit. In the 80s, that meant a lot. Man, in modern days, it's not meaning that much anymore. And we're, what, we're 50 minutes in here, and it's the first time it even came up. (laughs) I think that's what you should be aiming for with your indie movie. Give Mm. us something to talk about, and then the backdrop should be a incredibly visceral, brutal moment where a dude gets, like, ripped open. Yeah. Right? Because every time, how many times have we sat here and been like, hey, the movie is cool, like, there's a lot of great gore. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like man it just doesn't it's like a boob now you're just like oh, there's a boob like if i want to totally. see some gore i'm gonna go to uh you know uh well i was gonna say live leaks but what do we got now That's facebook live oh, I'll, just, <laughs> I'll just see some real gore on facebook live totally totally um, now, i i have to bring it up because again we found your film because uh our little group we just we love um br jaeger's work and uh the energy in the room uh, there's a moment at the end of this film where you appear on screen and uh, you do something. I just, I don't know. I don't want to give it away. I mean, we, we kind of have to. We kind of have to. We Spoiler alert. To, because we need to know if that was 100% authentic. Was that all? Single take, first take. <laughs> um, I, he, like, so the story behind that was that Nick, like, he came to me, he was like, he told me that he wanted me for that specific role. Um, he's like, I like, I want you to scream. And I was like, I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure if I can do that. Like, just cause like I have a weak voice, like I'll like go the entire day with barely like talking. I don't exercise my voice at all. Like it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and just like in the moment I was like, okay, I'm going to try it out. Give it a whirl. And that's what you got. <laughs> wow. okay. That was that was that was a cold scream, as we that call it. Cold biz. scream. Although First there scream, is, um, scream. yeah, you literally we talked about it. Where it's like you were like, I didn't know what you were gonna do. I was like, all right, just try <laughs> reacting, like whatever your reaction is gonna be, and then you do that. And I'm like, you told me you couldn't fucking scream, dude. And then I was like, you know, I think you did. And we kind of the editing of it is slightly. It's kind of a comedic use of the take too, because Ben only screamed three or four times. And we looped those middle ones over and over and over again to such a degree that um, and I almost didn't know if it was ruining it. You know what I mean? Because it was like, but it's it was just so funny. And also, we were behind my house, and I was too afraid that we were going to get caught and screamed again. <laughs> um, so that's why I was like, only one take for that one. But yeah, I don't know. That's one of those. It's just what a beautiful, you know, one of those things. We didn't know what was going to happen that day, and then Ben had that waiting the whole time, and then. I didn't choose, you know, I wanted you to scream and then you did what you did. And then we dealt with that, how we did. It's just like, I like that idea that that was not my vision there at all to have that happen. You know, that really happened because you just did it in the moment. You allowed yourself to see what would happen. And I don't know. That's so much more fun to me. It's like we, we, we together found something out there. We went out there and found something, you know, that's exciting to me. I mean, Ben, you have a bona fide top level gold-plated survivor girl scream. <laughs> it, 
know, I always, I always was saying that I was so thankful for Nick to finally give me my uh, scream queen moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I get to like cross that off the bucket list, which I'm forever thankful for. Ben, you got a hell of a voice too. You should do yeah. more podcast, and that's coming from somebody. I sound like I'm chewing on my tongue all day, so I'm, I'm very jealous. <laughs> you're, you're terrific. You're terrific, dude. But thank you, <laughs> y'all. Y'all just crush this movie, and I, um, I feel like I pitched this film kind of as like a a rain cloud that will never leave but there is a through line of uh really dark humor in here and yeah. and uh i mean i noticed but again if you're making dinner and you have this movie on in the background it's not going to come through so i i then you hear that scream i know like, what's going on i it's fantastic and um i i hope you'll collaborate more in the future i would love to see you write um for film ben like i I don't know who would really want to take on a script that you wrote, but I think we need more of them. Cool. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I might try to uh, take a stab at that. That's do, I, I've never done. We're try, even tried doing like a formal script before. Like I need to read some books and figure out sort of like how you put that together. <laughs> well, did, did this movie have a formal script? I didn't think so. And and again, now, Nick, I almost feel like there's like a level of like, uh, it's almost like embarrassment or something. Like I didn't write a script. Here's the thing. Our whole film festival, we constantly are talking to people who didn't have a script, who only had a camera, who did it on the fly. And they end up making like valuable art. Yeah? Totally. And, totally. Absolutely. And you capture something different there. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Ben. Oh, no, no problem. I think that that's kind of what I really love about uh, Nick's work and like what your one of the reasons why our collaborations work really well is that you're all about using the process, finding out what it is, what the thing is, what the movie is by doing it. It's not about like conceptualizing it beforehand and then like trying to sort of figure like figure out how to do it afterwards. You're actively like searching as you're making the movie, as you're mm -hmm. filming. Um, which I feel is like very similar to how like I work with like books. Like I, I feel like it's boring to go in and being like, okay, I know what this is going to be. I know what this is going to happen. It's going to be a three act structure, save the cat, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like that, That's just like boring as hell to me. I think it's the same way with like you, Nick, that like, so it's a process of like constantly like trying to excite yourself and maintain that excitement and explore uh, what's interesting about these things because it, it's all about searching. It's all about not knowing, um, mm -hmm. which is infinitely more exciting than like trying to just try to do something that, you know, totally. So how can people watch this movie? What's going on with it now? That's what oh. we're, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I want, I want to, you know, get it the fuck out there, but I don't know if that'll ever, who I don't, it's like, I've, Sent it. I've literally prodded a bunch of distributors and stuff, and some. I think some some people have looked at it, but I don't know who's going to pick this up. It's too. It's so. It's so. Um. Even in terms of like an indie movie, I don't. I think it's it's too fucked up for anyone. Or something weird is about it. It's too scrappy for. I don't know. Again, I still have this sense of uh, not being real or something, but it's so. Um. It's just such a bitter fucking movie. You know what I mean? That I, yeah. I feel like people are a little apprehensive, maybe, but. I honestly think the perfect life for this kind of movie would be, you know, it's one of those 
you know, a video nasty that you got on VHS and you bring it home and watch it. Like I think putting it out on DVD and Blu-ray and stuff would be like my dream for this as opposed to getting a theatrical distribution. I don't think that's really in the cards for whatever reason. Probably um, not. You know? but, <laughs> here's the thing. Like you can get people to do like in theater stuff, like one-offs, like events. Like we, me oh. and Clark always talked about this. Like we should show a movie in a theater. Yeah. Um, but I, again, dealing with found footage there's a lot of people who really make the indie distribution work but mm. there's also movies like what like dark knight not the batman movie but the himself right. yeah, right, right. film what, who who picked that up like kuno lorber or we have like, Interesting. I think so. it's somebody yeah. that it can happen and um mm. you guys you got to keep us updated because once ah. this thing's available we we gotta we'll be pushing it on people and if you end up going down the the like what to be Amazon Prime kind of like throw it up there and get a penny for every minute after forty five or some shit. Yeah, exactly. Like if you want to do that, you can you can build an audience out of that. But then then you you get into this game of like Nick and you know you got to become a social media presence and you yeah, keep right. everybody up to date on your next thing. Whatever road you end up going down, like we're here to support you, but um, you got to get it out there because I know we're gonna get hit up from people be like, wait, how the fuck do we watch this movie? I appreciate you so much. So much, truly. I, we'll, we'll do it for you. We'll make sure we do it. We hate ourselves too much to do it for ourselves, so we'll do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> your, your people are out there waiting, Nick. They're waiting. Thanks, guys. You guys are great. You guys are truly great. All right. Well, anything else for the fellas? We this hit- was, uh, man, we're tickled to death. Tickled to death. Uh, we got to get you guys in today. Sam, yeah. we're so happy to be here, truly. Ben, Nick, I love you guys. Uh, I think you're both masters of your medium already, and uh, we're going to be keeping an eye on you. But we got to have you back on here next time you do stuff, too. 100%. We, we're, we're, um, me and Ben are gearing up for something else that's going to be happening this summer. So there's another shoot going on this summer, and uh, oh, oh, it's going to be a doozy, I think. It's going to be... Very excited. I think that it's going to be like... I don't want to like oversell it since we haven't done it yet, but I feel like it's going to be like a step up. It totally. sounds... I mean, I'm so excited about this. I can say this: anamorphic. Ooh, anamorphic. Mamma mia! Okay, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let us know so we can oversell it when when you're hey, done. Thanks, <laughs> guys. Wait, do you got any plugs or anything? How can people follow y'all? Oh, I'm on NW Verdi on Twitter, and what is my Instagram? Verdi Nick. I don't have much to fucking you know. I need to get my shit together with yeah. all that. Honestly, you know, I need to get a website or something in gear, but. But yeah, Ben, what about you? Oh, I've I've got a uh, bryager.com I just started up that has all of um links to all the film stuff and all of the uh, book stuff. Um I I go about like deleting and reactivating all my social media every once in a while, but it's always at bryager. Awesome. Again, Ben, Nick, thank you guys so much. Thank yeah. you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at the Overlook Theater, Instagram at the Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. 
I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.